0: First reading is from Luke, chapter 22. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. So then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. He said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, And I assign to you as my father has assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the first reading. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you even know me. And he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, Nothing. He said to them, But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light... looking closely at him said this man also was with him but he denied it saying woman I do not know him and a little later someone else saw him and said you also are one of them but Peter said man I am not and after an interval of about an hour still another insisted saying certainly this man was also with him for he too is a Galilean But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy! Who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes. And they led him away to their council, and they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We've heard it ourselves from his own lips. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! Third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified and their voices prevailed so Pilate decided that their demand should be granted he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked but he delivered jesus over to their will And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments and on the Sabbath they rested, according to the commandment. There's so much with this story, which um, there's just so many facets to it. And so every year when I encounter these, you know, these very familiar passages, it's always wrestling with what what's standing out, what's jumping out, what what's um, what feels like needs, you know, just that. That element, that dynamic that we need to talk about. And um, what amazes me about this is um, there's there's this struggle with power. Uh, There's this theme of betrayal. Jesus, the judge, is judged. And then Jesus dies. And we know about these dynamics. We know about this stuff because it's present in our world. Power. You know, we, we live in a world that's greedy for power. Uh, we bump up against the idea of people wanting power all the time. It might be at, at work, uh, 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 somebody who's, who's who'll pu- push you under the bus in order to get the you know the step up over you, or it's the power that people want in in local government, um, the the kind of power that people want within families. To have that say or that final say within those family dynamics um, over wills or you know, whatever it might be, power. We we bump up against this idea of of power often. You know, I think of the, the disciples asking, kind of, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the most powerful? Who's who's the best? see it in our government, we see it in the world, we just we see it all over the place. we see people just this excessive need for power, wanting to be the best, wanting to be the greatest and Jesus brings some incredible teaching in that kind of first reading there's a betrayal of a best friend, and we know all about betrayal don't we? we bump up against things like betrayal. we bump up against uh, uh, Maybe being betrayed, maybe we've made a mistake in our life where we've betrayed somebody else and that kind of haunts us. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's family, some family member that, that did that to you. Maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, but we, we understand betrayal. There's, some, there's elements of that that we bump up against and we kind of get it. There's the, there's the Jesus being judged. The innocent being, um, it's just, it, especially if you grew up in the church, and especially if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, you've you've already kind of convinced yourself that Jesus is innocent. So you're kind of you're kind of like, come on, people, how would you not get this and. Or maybe you've, you've not been connected to the church. And maybe you don't know exactly what you think about Jesus. And so that idea of, of Jesus being judged, you kind of, you wrestle with that a little bit. Even because here's the reality. We, we know about judged situations. Uh, we've seen people maybe who are innocent being judged. But we've obviously seen people who are guilt, guilty being judged. And it seems like more and more we're beginning to see people of power or influence being judged. And there's an element within us that likes that. It's amazing how often news will push a story where somebody who seems so you know, good and everything's all good, but, but look what they did. And so we understand even some of those dynamics. We bump up against those things on a regular basis, even in our lives. Or this kind of final one, death. We know, I mean, at least at some level, we know about death. We understand death, again, at some level. We don't don't have a big, complete picture of it, but we know that we've had people die we know the kind of pain it brings. We know the kind of sorrow that it brings. The loss, the hurt for years and years. The hole in the heart. You know, all those dynamics of death. There's an element of death that we, we understand because we bump up against some of this uh, often. Too often. But what's amazing about these things, whether it's power, hungry people, wanting to be the greatest, or whether it's kind of betrayal of friendship, or whether it's the judge, judge coming down on maybe even somebody who's innocent, or maybe it's death itself. We feel as if God should be apart from those things. God shouldn't be up close and personal to that stuff. We kind of have an understanding about it. We kind of, you know, we're kind of players in some of that stuff. But God shouldn't be close and personal. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like some sweet little old lady or something, you know, being able to see you back at your parties in high school or something. You'd kind of be like, I don't want this sweet little old lady to see that. You know, we got to keep that person kind of over there. This isn't appropriate for you. And so when we come up against the real darkness of our lives there's an element where we're like God you can't be up that close to this stuff it's amazing how as you, as you walk through Holy Week starting kind of back on Palm Sunday it's amazing how the people love it when Jesus enters Jerusalem Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, save us. Help us. We need you. We're willing to put our coats down on the ground. Go ahead and walk on my coat with your donkey. They love Jesus on Monday when he's in the temple and he flips over the, 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 the coins and the, 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 the money exchange going on. They love this Jesus. Jesus they're hanging on to his every word the text is talking about i mean they're just like yes 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 has our idea about who jesus is supposed to be or who god is supposed to be has that been something that's kind of infiltrated your brain or your heart or your mind Because that's what's going on in this this holy week. They love certain elements of Jesus. But there's other parts of Jesus that are supposed to, God's not supposed to be part of this stuff. It doesn't. Monday had its purposes. Palm Sunday had its purposes. What's the purpose of Friday? What's the purpose, the why for Good Friday? There's so many different facets to that. There's so many different ways you can talk about that. But it's Jesus getting It's Jesus getting up close to some of the dark stuff. To some of the really dark stuff. The purpose, follow me here. The purpose of this day, thousands of years ago, when Jesus went to the cross, was for the second person of the triune God. The second person of the Trinity. The triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but one God. Our brains can't even wrap around this. We simply believe it to be true by faith because it's how he's revealed himself to be in Scripture. Father, Son, Spirit, one God... God in perfect, loving unity for all of eternity. For all of eternity. In perfect, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect, loving unity. Perfect. For all of eternity. The second person of that trinity In a moment in history, history that he created, time that he set up, he was to die. That's the purpose of Good Friday. The second person of the triune God dies. He he comes and enters into the brokenness of our world. He allows himself as sweet and innocent as he is to be brought right up against the darkest stuff that we've got. Stuff we see and experience and we know about. and he comes and bumps right up against it. And the more he bumps, and the more he's there, the more it begins to just come on him and come on him and come and come until he's carrying it. And then that... Son of God, the one who gave life, the one who creates the universe, who brings into existence all things, who holds all things together in himself, that one, he dies. You can go read about it in Revelation Chapter 1, it's one of my favorite Bible passages for my own funeral. Right now, I'd like this to be the text that gets preached, Revelation 1. Jesus in full glory shows up to John and it's like this full glory picture and he says, I have died. It's almost like Jesus is like, yeah, I died. That one died on a cross. Naked, most likely. Divided up garments. Excruciating pain. And actually, excruciating comes from the, same, the uh, uh, crucifying. And not just physical pain, yes. And go read that. Go, go look at what people go through when they go on a cross. Go Wikipedia even. But, but so much more than that, experiencing the full wrath of God. See, this is kind of what, these are the kind of two things that are kind of going on. One, he's fulfilling all scripture. He's filling all of scripture, what needs to happen, the things that need to be said. He's actually bringing fulfillment of, of, of scripture passages and things that have been prophesied hundreds and thousands of years earlier. Things that have been promised will take place. Jesus is fulfilling those things. But at the same time, he's fulfilling, He's let me just say it like this, he's satisfying the full wrath of God for you and for me. He takes the wrath that is to be directed towards us because of our sin. And and if you're not a Christian or you're not a Bible person, you're like, what's sin? Our mistakes, our shortcomings, our failures, our participation in this whole thing called humanity that's so utterly dark and nasty and like a slimy pit. I mean, when you just get honest about what's going on in the world and in our own hearts and in our own lives, the wrath of God against that, against you and I, Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in to take the wrath of God Upon himself. And so what we're experiencing in this story, what Jesus is experiencing, is the full wrath of God for your sin and my sin. Jesus on the cross. Luke 23. Then Jesus calls out with a loud voice. Loud voice. Notice that Jesus doesn't die here from just being so tired, from being so exhausted even. He has energy here to cry out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then what happens? And having said this, he breathed his last. To the end, Jesus, experiencing the wrath of God for you and for me, in the end, he gives up his spirit. He dies. Our brains, it's hard to wrap our heads around it. The author of all that is living the second person of the triune god dies satisfying the wrath of god i'd point to us you know we're in we just got done or we're kind of in our series on romans romans chapter 5 verse 8 but god shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners while we were sinners Christ died for us. He didn't die for you because you're cute. He died for you because by our sin we have become his enemy. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, justified there is, been declared righteous, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. It's important that we reflect on this. Because you and I get drawn into it when Jesus says things like take up your cross and follow me we get brought into this in the context of of suffering and a kind of theology where we as followers of Jesus we will suffer like our Lord like our master we too will continue to experience power hungry folks We'll experience sometimes even a, in our own hearts a selfishness for those same things. We'll experience betrayal. We'll at times mess up and betray others. We'll even run into death from loved ones, people we care about, and even someday, unless Jesus returns beforehand, even ourselves have to deal with death. But what we will never have to experience, what you and I will never have to experience because of this story is the full wrath of God for your sin, for your shortcomings. Jesus is reconciling you He has reconciled you. Because the second person of the triune God died for you. So that we might even say, God died for you. Whoa. Whoa. What I want to do is just um, pray. I'd like to just spend a little time in confession. It's just going to be silently tonight. Just you by yourself with with this God who loves you like this, who's willing to not only create you, but actually redeem you And one day return to bring full restoration to your bodies. This one we can connect with right now. Through prayer. And so I'd invite you to a time of silent. Turning your eyes to him. Even if the eyes are down or wherever they are. Even if they're closed. Turning your hearts to him. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. The God-man. The second person of the triune God. Turn your attention to him. And just talk to him right now. He hears you. He hears you because of course we know there's a little bit more to the story, right? It's like you gotta kinda come back in a couple days. But he hears you even now. So just thank him, confess to him, talk to him. We'll give you a little space for that. Jesus, we're sorry for our mistakes. We're sorry where we have fallen short to the the kind of humanity you created us to be. We're sorry for where we have shown ourselves to be right there, part of that whole problem. All the way from big stuff to little stuff, it's kind of all the same stuff when compared with you and your glory and how you've created us to be. God, we want more for ourselves. We want better. And I thank you that you have provided a way for that to happen. A new humanity, new creation, redemption and restoration. You've provided a way. Jesus, you are the way. Thank you that you never tapped the brakes when you went to the cross. Thank you that you didn't tap the brakes when you when you were experiencing the full wrath Being poured out on you that we were deserving of. Thank you for going all the way. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't call down your legions of angels and just wipe out everybody. No, you loved us, even in our, even in enmity, even in us being an enemy. You loved us. Wow, God, our brains can't even wrap around all this. We're doing the best we can. Just fill us now with your spirit. God, as we hear the declaration of righteousness, the declaration yet again of forgiveness, may we receive that by faith right now through the power of your Holy Spirit. So I want to declare right now to you, because of Jesus, because he died, Because his blood was spent for you, because he gave himself up for you, you are forgiven. You are forgiven because of him. The way, the truth, the life, you're forgiven.